public media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Erin Jones. This time, we'll hear about a man who had a lifetime of adventures ahead of him, until a mysterious illness cut that short. We were traveling <laughs> at like five miles an hour, which means that we could have probably, you know, power walked faster. Taylor Thibodeau wanted adventure. When he was 19, Taylor and a friend decided to bike across the country from Massachusetts to Florida, then Florida all the way to Los Angeles. I wasn't a cyclist. I had to buy the bike for the trip, and I didn't even know what bike to look for. Even though he wasn't a cyclist, they finished the trip. And they even completed an Ironman competition in Utah with no training. It was a sense of achievement and confidence and contentment that I had never known. Like, okay, I can do things that I set my mind to. <laughs> it doesn't have to always be that you don't make it. Taylor felt like he was on top of the world, but the feeling didn't last. Somewhere along the way, I started experiencing a level of fatigue and, and exhaustion that was relentless. Once I became aware of it, there was, there was no denying its constant presence. So there was this mystery looming over, well, what could it be? I woke up one morning and all of a sudden, it felt like I was extraordinarily, um, like my head was full of cotton. As if I, everything was cloudy. And I noticed very immediately that my short-term memory was affected. I couldn't remember things that normally I'd have an easy recall with. I couldn't remember what I ate for dinner the night before couldn't remember what I wore for an outfit the day before. It would be kind of like tattered fragments. I was terrified and freaking out and went to the doctor. And, and at that point, that's kind of when he was like, okay, I, I have no idea what this could be. I've run out of ideas. And I kind of went on my own to, to get answers. Taylor saw numerous doctors and specialists who tested his thyroid. He posted on message boards about his symptoms. Nobody could definitively say what was wrong, but one possibility kept coming up. One of the constant diagnoses, without being officially diagnosed, one of the, the common illnesses that came up was Lyme disease. Lyme disease is a tick-borne illness. It may not show up that you have Lyme disease, uh, even if you have it. If you don't catch it immediately... It can stay in your system. It can be unidentifiable. And you may have to do a more in-depth analysis, a very expensive test to confirm that you have Lyme disease. And at that point, I was pretty overwhelmed. And it had been about a year of searching for answers. I, I never got that test because I couldn't afford it. So he just kept living his life. But nothing felt the same. And Taylor found it more and more difficult to relate to his friends and family. Now, this might sound silly, and you may not agree. People may not agree, right? But to be the guy, the upstanding human being that a person generally would want to be, that takes energy. Doing the right thing all the time takes energy and focus, and it's exhausting <laughs> to do the right thing and not the easy thing, right? So I couldn't give of myself the same way. 
it was a tough time. I definitely didn't know who I was anymore because I wasn't able to be the version of myself that I thought I was. Taylor wasn't happy with what he and his life had become with his illness, so he decided to try a totally different path, one that took him back to his roots. I always had wanted to do another great big adventure. I mean, it was the thing that was the thing that was a highlight of my life. But I also was afraid and I also was very aware that it wasn't going to be anything like it was the first time. It was going to be more of a struggle. And I really wanted to know if I had what it took to do it again. And I also didn't want this to continually stand in the way of me having and doing the things that I love because it had done that for so long. I just wasn't able to enjoy my life in the way that I wanted to. And I always fell back on the excuse, well, look at your look at what's going on. Of course you can. But even if it wasn't going to be as fun in a certain sense of the word, even if it wasn't going to be as easy, it was worth it to do that. This time his girlfriend Kelsey and their dog wanted to come along. They were really excited, but there was very minimal training. It was absurd. For some reason, I didn't really doubt whether or not I'd make it to the end because I knew I would suffer one way or another to get there because I just could not face myself, I think, if I quit prematurely. I wasn't scared about whether or not I'd finish. I was just scared of what it would cost to finish. We left with our dog. Immediately, the lack of training showed its face. <laughs> we were traveling at like five miles an hour, which means that we could have probably, you know, power walked faster. Uh, that first day, we got about 10 miles in, and I said, Kelsey, there's no way we can take our dog. So I sat on my butt, and I embarrassingly called my mom. She was very gracious and was willing to look after our, our puppy. So that was cool. But we came back. You know, that first day was like a false start. And it kind of put us into perspective of like, wow, we really were not prepared. We, we started off only going about 30 miles a day. But little by little, we made our way. And we stayed with people we met along the way. And we camped out a lot and we really grew closer together. I thought that was really cool. So we were in New York. It was probably the first week of our trip, and we were on a bike path that was empty, and it was mainly forest. And so we're pedaling along, and I'm listening to music on my headphones. So Kelsey's shouting my name, and I can barely hear it because I crank that stuff way up. And she screams my name from behind me, and I, I pull out my headphones, and I'm like, what? She's pointing in front. And there's a black figure in front of us. And it's immediately understood that that's a black bear. It stands up on its hind legs and it starts to sniff the air. It's sniffing at us. And Kelsey, the whole time, the day before, was talking about how terrified of black bear she is, about bear attacks. Bear. And I said, listen, there's no bears around where we are. 
there there was this 400-pound massive black bear standing on its hind legs, staring us down. And I said, oh my gosh, what do we do? And we were paralyzed. We were paralyzed. And it felt like an eternity. I'm sure it was just a, a moment or two. And the bear seemed to get bored and it waddled off. But our hearts were pounding. And we pedaled slowly and then very fast. We heard him rummage through the woods and climb up a tree. And we looked to our right and there he was climbing up a tree. Man, once we entered bear country for real with grizzlies, she was a mess. I did not get any sleep. Despite the mishaps, Taylor was enjoying the ride with Kelsey. But his disease was still taking a toll. It was just survival, survival, survival. I just put my head down through it all. Very few moments where I felt like I could relax and really reflect. I never once felt strong. I haven't once felt strong in five years. But they pressed on without incident until they got to South Dakota. (sighs) There's no one around. And the great expanse is all in front of us, beside us, and behind us. And I hear a twang through my headphones. And I look down, and sure enough, there's a severed spoke. I knew this wasn't going to be great, because not only were we 200 miles from the nearest bicycle shop, but what happens with a severed spoke is, once one spoke goes, the integrity of all the others starts to go. And before you know it, your wheel caves in on itself, and you absolutely can't travel. So... We had to hitchhike. And there's no cars going by, so we're out there. Time is passing. Sure enough, somebody did drive by, eventually a pickup truck. We put the bicycles in the pickup, and he only was able to take us to the next town. We had to hitchhike to the next town, hitchhike to the next town. Eight different families, all different types of people, most of which had said, you know, we've never picked up hitchhikers before. And I said, well, we're not people that normally hitchhike, so it kind of works out for the both of us. And ultimately, we get to the bike shop and everything was taken care of. It took us three days to get there, to get it fixed up. So we basically just hitchhiked all the way across South Dakota, it felt like. It was one of those things where in hindsight, you're like, okay, everything ended up working out, right? I'm here, everything's okay. But in the moments, to maintain that faith, like this will all work out, it's very hard to do when you're in the middle of South Dakota with a broken spoke and your girlfriend's angry and you're really thirsty and you definitely don't have enough water for the day and nobody's driving by you. The same day we were dropped off for the the bike shop, a storm came in and the sky was uh, purple and... The clouds were swollen, and the sky just looked angry. And the wind picks up, and it went from being extremely warm to ridiculously cold, all in an instant. And all of a sudden, just hail, massive hail coming down. I had never seen hail this size, and it's popping all over the place, and it's exploding and bouncing into the bike shop where I was getting repairs. I thought, that's really terrifying. 
sure enough, a week later, we're pedaling. After we had done the Badlands, we were back in the Black Hills, and we're eating lunch. We're enjoying our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and Kelsey thinks she hears thunder. We pedal, and we pedal up one of the arduous Black Hills, and we're up at the peep top. And I look behind me and yeah, sure enough, there's the very familiar swollen clouds, purple sky, just looking menacing and angry. And it's right behind us. And then a huge loud thunder cackling across the sky. And we're like, okay, this is just terrible. Let's get going. We've got to get going here. There's, there's nothing around. And so we're pedaling. We're pedaling to look to find what can we find. This storm is right on our tails. We're winding down hills, up down hills, slowly up, very fast down. To our left, we notice um, some sort of park. And it looked like there was a canopy or an overhang that we could hunker under. And it turns out there really is no overhang. It's just toilets. And so we put our bikes as quickly as we can into the girls' bathroom. And Kelsey and I grab a couple books really quick and run into the boys' bathroom. And as soon as we get into the bathrooms, that very familiar, massive golf ball-sized hail just starts hurling down to the earth. It's quite the interesting experience to be hunkered down inside the bathroom, holding hands, reading, while we just narrowly escaped all that hail. And that went on for about an hour. Taylor and Kelsey kept traveling westward. After three months on the road, riding from Connecticut to Washington along the U.S.-Canada border, they finished their trip in August 2019 in Seattle. Doing this, making it to the end, pushing through, it meant more to me, no matter if it wasn't enjoyable. I'm glad it's over. (laughs) I was very tired the whole time, and it was hard. It was empowering to be able to to realize that if I need something or want something done, I can't fall back on the excuse anymore that, oh, well, I, I have this illness. So it's understandable why I can't do it. It's like, no, you did what you did when you were 19. So there's really no excuses. You biked across America. Do you know where or when you contracted Lyme disease? So that's the thing that I think is most harrowing about all this is that when I would ask that question, they said, it's likely that it happened on your first bicycle trip and that the symptoms lay dormant inside of you. Would it have been worth it? Like that was the other thing that I often wondered, would it have been worth it? Would it have been worth it to have the what I considered to be the best time of my life, the best experience in my life to only then have what became the worst experience of my life. And that's been something I've wrestled with. I'm a person that what I can say about myself is that I do feel proud of myself and I don't think I had been able to say that. Because of being humbled by these things, especially by this illness, I mean, showed me what I'm capable of giving and have made me who I am. And that's a cool thing. I wouldn't trade that. (laughs) I wouldn't trade that at all.
Our storyteller was Taylor Thibodeau. He still hasn't gotten that test, and now he's not sure if he will. Taylor's happy, and he's planning his next adventure, and he's writing a book about those two bike trips. For photos from this episode, follow Human Nature on social media. We're Human Nature Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. On Twitter, we're Human Nature Pod. And I'm at Erin JNS. And if you like what you heard, tell somebody about it. Word of mouth is our best advertisement. I'm Erin Jones. This episode was produced by Megan Fury with help from Micah Schweitzer. It was edited by me, Greg Ronco, Alex Schaefer, and Anna Rader. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's human nature.